0: I said something to him like, are you sure? But he goes, well, what Mrs. Martin wants, Mrs. Martin gets.
1: Welcome to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. We're your hosts, Scott and Katie Mulchan, and we make it easy to start working on, not just in your landscaping business. We're a real couple that helped grow our family business to well over a million dollars in revenue. And now we help other landscaping business owners just like you to do the same. Are you ready to build your business? Let's get started. Before we get into today's show, a big thank you to our sponsor, SendGym. If you want to get the leads you want and turn your current clients into raving fans, then you need to try SendGym. They've created an exclusive offer just for our listeners. If you sign up today, you can get your first month for just $2. So if you haven't already, go to sendjimio forward slash mdl where you can get even more exclusive deals just for Million Dollar Landscaper podcast listeners. That's sendjim.io forward slash MDL and take advantage of these awesome deals today.
2: Welcome back, everybody. We're super excited to have on today, Ryan Lee. He is a landscape lighting designer and lighting specialist. He actually started his business over 13 years ago, it was actually called Majestic Outdoor Lighting in Fort Worth, Texas. And we're super excited to have him on here today because he's going to share with you some of his knowledge that he gained over the years of doing landscape lighting and how he got started. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks for being here.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott. Thanks, Katie. You guys have built an awesome community, so I'm excited to be here and hopefully give back a little bit to what you guys have already built. I'm excited.
2: Oh, It's great to have you here.
0: One thing we really like about
2: what you've done in your business is you actually just mainly focused on landscape lighting. And I think that's kind of unique. I know in our area, there's only like, I think, two or three companies that that's all they do. But it's a unique niche. You mind sharing a little bit about it and how you got started in it?
0: Yeah, not a problem. And what's crazy is. Before I started the landscape lighting business, to be honest, I didn't even know that landscape lighting was a thing. (laughs) I I didn't even know.
1: I've never heard of like accidentally finding landscape lighting. (laughs) I know. Do you tell more? Yeah.
0: (laughs) So I grew up in Utah and we didn't grow up poor. I mean, I consider poor being like homeless, but, Mm -hmm. you know, single mom working full time, trying to provide for three kids. And so we just didn't have the extras, you know? Sure. And so uh, I, I literally had no idea what it was. And I Went to school, grew up trying to figure out what I wanted to do in my life. I had started a small window cleaning business to help earn some extra money to get married. My brother, in the meantime, had moved to Texas and he started doing some window cleaning and got into some Christmas lights. And I was actually moving down to Dallas to uh, help him blow up his window cleaning business because that's what I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. Well, he called me. We were like a week or two away from moving down there. And he goes, hey, you know, we we're just catching up. And he's like, yeah, I just did a couple of these landscape lighting jobs. And they were each $4,000. And I was like, what? Okay. First of all, what is landscape lighting? (laughs) I I knew what Christmas lights were, but I had no idea what landscape lighting is like. Yeah. You know, they like the houses and the trees and stuff. I'm like, okay. Still don't know what that is. But I said, someone paid you $4,000 to light their house. (laughs) Like, that sounds ridiculous. Sign me up. (laughs) I'm like, okay. So if you're telling me I can sell a $4,000 landscape lighting job, whatever that is, or a $250 window cleaning job, I'm like, Let's switch to landscape lighting. Follow
1: the dollar signs.
0: (laughs) That's how we started it. And I mean, I was so ignorant at the time, but that's how we got started into it. And even when I was moving down there, I had family saying, Oh, yeah, you're going to start a landscaping business. And I'm like, Oh, no. No, I'm starting a landscape lighting business, you know? So, It is such a small niche, but I found out that the community, the industry is huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had no idea that there was even a landscape lighting industry.
1: Yeah, no. Well, I like it because once you know about landscape lighting, like because we're landscapers, obviously. So then you become like real landscape lighting snobs. Mm -hmm. Like we are such landscape lighting snobs, like walking around in the neighborhood. You're like, look at you and you're like. Home Depot solar lights. Brr, I know. Whatever. So That's once <laughs> one, you can't go back once you know what it is and once you see it, there's really no going back.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> you're totally right. And I, my wife used to call me that. Now she's just used to it, and so she's a lighting snob too. Right, it's catchy. Look at that house. It's like a million dollar house, and they got the cheap solar crap out there. What
1: are yeah, they? Do? Exactly.
0: <laughs> like not everyone's like you. Okay, it's okay that they have cheap stuff.
1: <laughs> no, it's not, especially on a million dollar house.
0: I know.
2: We did the same thing with the water features. How I am. Like I could look at a pond and they're like, why would they put a plastic pond in there? Like, it looks terrible. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it's awesome.
0: You know, what's awesome too, is when you convert a client, mm-hmm. so, you know, they pay you and they're already semi-converted. But then, when they turn into a lighting snob and they're pointing it out and they're converting clients for you, that's awesome. Yeah. Welcome awesome. to the club.
1: You're like, yep. See, told you. You did good.
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: Well, do you mind uh, expanding a little bit more on, you know, once you got down to Texas, you started the business, how things went and
0: what you kind of did from there? Like,
1: was it good that you didn't know what you were doing or was that bad or maybe a little bit of both? <laughs> like, you didn't know what you were getting into?
0: I know. I actually talk about this because. The world would tell you that ignorance is not bliss. You know, you need to be educated and everything else. So I got a a marketing degree. I got my MBA. Like I got all this before I moved down there. And so I learned in the books quite a bit about business and everything else. But then I guess I just tossed it all out the window because When I went down there, I didn't do market analysis. I didn't do SWOT analysis. I didn't know competition, anything like that. Oh, sure. And honestly, had I done that, I probably would not have moved to Texas to start a landscape lighting business. (laughs) Okay. Because there were so many people down there, um, a lot of like dedicated lighting companies, a lot of landscapers, electricians. People like had figured out that there was a lot of money in landscape lighting. So everyone was trying to do it. So Uh. like I said, had I actually done it, like you're supposed to on put it on paper, I probably would have never started the business. (laughs)
1: So it's probably better that you didn't. You just went for it. Like sometimes you just got a cannonball in and do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm all for, you know, teaching, like, you know, come up with a plan and everything else. But in this case, it really worked. And I think there are certain times where it actually makes sense to not pay attention to what everyone else is doing, because mm-hmm. what everyone else is doing sometimes isn't the right thing to do, you know. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, yeah. Easy to get stuck in their little trap. Yeah. I call it just staying in your lane, like mind your own business and stay in your lane. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. We see a lot of
2: landscapers so worried about what their competition is doing for everything, how they're marketing or, you know, what they're doing for landscaping in general. Don't worry about them. Focus on yourself.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. I'm with you 100%. You know, at first it was me figuring out what landscape lighting was. And so I just attended some of the irrigation supply houses. They supply lighting and they might have a guy that knows a little bit about lighting. So I'd go meet with them and and learn about it. But what we did was just got a demo kit and just set up temporary lights. And that was the easiest way to learn lighting design because again, I didn't even know what it was. So you'd go set up these lights on someone's house and if they didn't like it, then you just move the light you know, Mm -hmm. and then we just put a flag where we knew it looked good so that we could come back the next day and install it. So start off really small like that, where we, my brother and I were just going out and doing the demos together, kind of selling it together. And then we'd go do the install the next day and just do one job at a time. And then eventually, eventually meaning like Six weeks in, I was like, okay, hey, I'm not an installer. <laughs> I am not good at this. I like marketing, I like sales. Okay. And so then we hired a couple people on to help us out with the installs. And, you know, my brother's more the MacGyver operations guy, <laughs> they could figure anything out. And I'm definitely more the business sales guy. And so we just kind of divided and took our own roles in the business and, and kept going from there.
1: Well, that's awesome. Sounds like you made a great team if you have different skill sets.
0: Absolutely. And then I think that was key. Everyone's always like, oh, how is it working with family? And, you know, it's not perfect. (laughs) Never is. (laughs) (laughs) But it was nice that we we actually are completely different in that regard. Mm -hmm. You know, over the years, I've learned a lot from him and I can go out and do an install and figure stuff out now, but that's not my personality. Mm -hmm. And he picked up some stuff for me about sales and marketing and stuff. But we definitely, like you said, even with the competition, we just stayed in our own lane and didn't try to reinvent the wheel where we didn't need to. Sure. A little
2: before the show, we were talking about uh, building an ecosystem. Mind talking
0: about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. This was actually probably one of the biggest things that worked for us. And I try to teach this to everybody. It was actually, we had a relationship with a pool builder Mm -hmm. and he started his business around the same time that we did. So he was kind of a smaller guy, not big at the time, but he bought this lake house. And I was like, oh man, what's he, that's a big mistake. He's spending all his money. Of course, he's just going to want to have fun and everything else. And it was within a year. I mean, his business was exploding. And this lake house, what it was for him, it wasn't necessarily just a destination to go have fun. He was using it as a business tool. So he was selling pools to everybody on that lake. All the high-end, massive estates, he was landing these big, you know, two, $300,000 pools. And that lake house was paid for like overnight, you know? That's amazing. <laughs> and I was jealous and I still am.
1: Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it taught me that, you know, he was building his own ecosystem. And so oh, yeah. what I decided to do was like, okay, well, we already had a relationship with him. And what was nice is he was already in front of our dream customer. He was already building pools for people who are in million, $2 million homes, which is where we wanted to operate. Sure. And so we just kind of blew that up. I went after other landscapers, pool builders, home audio video companies, home builders, landscape architects, anyone who was already in front of the ideal customer that we were targeting. It just made it super easy to get in with them. So that's what I recommend when building your own ecosystem because it takes all the heavy lifting out of it. And honestly, when someone refers you like that who already has a solid relationship with a client, it's almost like the cell's yours unless you screw it up.
2: No, that's perfect. We would do the same thing in in our business too, just building those relationships with other contractors or whatever. And it helped out. And we did the same thing with pool builders too. We'd get in with those and we actually, we had a a pool builder uh, build a waterfall and they never built a waterfall before and messed it all up. And as we're watching, we're building a pond next to it and we're watching him put this together going into the pool. Like that's going to leak. That's not going to work. A year later, they call us back and had us go back and repair it. But it's building those relationships. And then from there on out, we, like you said, sold the jobs real easy with them. So that's huge.
0: Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that. Because if you don't have like a website and a good brand and your wrap trucks, like all that is definitely useful. I highly recommend doing all that. It makes it easier to get your foot in the door with those high-end landscape architects, with those home builders and stuff like that. But once you have those relationships, that can put your business almost on cruise control in terms of lead generation because the customers are already pre-qualified. Mm-hmm. You're not wasting time. They're high dollar jobs. So they just keep your guys busy. And they're just so much easier than feeling like you're going out and just giving bids all the time, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. that's huge. So in the, you're part of the Landscape Business Owners Facebook group. And uh, I know you did a survey here not too long ago. And one of the things you asked was people getting into the landscape lighting thing. What's your biggest concern or biggest question? You said pricing was? Yeah. Am talking about that?
0: Yeah. I can't remember the exact numbers, but by far and away, the number one thing, the concern that most people had, I was like, I think I asked, what's holding you back or what's your biggest concern with landscape lighting? Mm -hmm. And it was pricing. It's like, how do I price the job? And I thought that was interesting, actually. I was thinking it would be something more like I don't feel comfortable with design or the install or something like that. But pricing was, interestingly enough, the number one answer.
1: That must be the universal question because that's <laughs> the number one landscaping question as well, Like which is regular landscaping. It's always, what do I need to charge? What do I need to charge? So... What do they need to do to go about figuring out how to charge for lighting?
0: Yeah, and you're totally right. Like everyone always is, is asking someone else, like what do I charge? And it's such a crazy question because, and I know you guys even address this in the group, like don't ask that question <laughs> <laughs> because you really can't answer that for somebody else completely. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of things. One, you guys brought this up kind of at the beginning here is, you know, stay in your lane, don't worry about your competition. And a lot of people price based on their competition. So I talk to business owners every single week and I do these little strategy sessions with them and stuff. And one of the things I ask is like, how much do you charge for landscape lighting? And they'll tell me their price. And I'll be like, why are you charging that? Well, that's kind of, you know, what the going rate is around here and everything else. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) here we go. So the thing is, you cannot price based off your competition. You're giving them way too much credit you know, what do they know? What do they know?
1: They could be messing it up for all you know. That's my biggest thing is how do you know they got their crap together? You don't know that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think most of us assume that our competition went to Harvard and got a pricing (laughs) degree or
1: something. They didn't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, they didn't. But for some reason, we give them that credit. So we're like, oh, they're pricing it on that. I'll do a little bit under that. It's like, what? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I know you guys have talked about this too and I'm a huge fan of it, huge proponent is, understanding what your I call it my daily overhead number. Some people just call it overhead, but if you add up your expenses, every expense, excluding material for the year, and that's employees, your marketing, your shop, trucks, just every expense. And then you divide that by the number of working days that you have which is not 365, okay, Mm -hmm. no one works 365. It's probably (laughs) gonna be somewhere around 275. This honestly depends on where you're at because some people shut down and only work nine months of the year, right? So whatever that number is, it's just real easy. If your expenses are 300,000, okay, and you have 150 working days, then you can figure out 2,000 a day is your daily overhead number. So once you have that number, then you could just simply add your cost of materials for the day plus your desired profit. And there you have your price, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the desired profit is also something that's different. Some people are fine making, you know, $300 a day. I want to make like $5,000 a day. (laughs) Okay. So my price is naturally going to be higher, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That being said, I do have some recommendations for coming up with a good way to price a job that's easy for you and your salespeople as well. So again, I I really want to stress the importance of understanding what it costs you to run a business because it doesn't matter whether you're selling landscape lighting or ponds or landscaping or anything, you need to understand that number, right? Sure. But when it comes to landscape lighting, I've come up with some kind of benchmarks where I've found that almost any company can price it this way and Mm -hmm. still make a really good profit. So one of the keys to that is pricing it by the light. So you price it by the light fixture. This makes it super easy. It made it easy for me to teach my sales guys because after a while I was building a team, I was building a company and I hired multiple salespeople to go out and replace myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want them to feel like they had to go and figure out some algorithm and go back Mm -hmm. to the office and do all this. I wanted to make it easy so that they could give a price, close the deal, get a check and get them on the schedule. Nice. And so I teach kind of a, a triple option close. And what that is, is giving three different price options to your client, because even though you think they live in a $2 million house, they're gonna want the nicest high-end one, you don't really know that. They might drive a Ferrari, but they still might have those solar lights out front, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> so the three different price points that I teach on is basically your entry level one at about 225 to 250 per light. Then you'd go up to a premium kind of line Where you'd be around 350 a light, and then your upper level one, which is gonna be way higher, like six, seven hundred dollars per light. Sure. Now, when you hear that, you know, even me when I say that, I'm like, gosh, that sounds like a lot of money for a light fixture. Mm -hmm. So it's important that even though you price it that way, you don't sell it that way. And what I mean by that is. Let's say they have 20 lights and in the middle, you had the 350, that's $7,000. You would actually tell them that the project is $7,000 and not tell them that it's 350 per light because almost no one can buy something at 350 per light, but they're more than happy to pay for a $7,000 lighting system that's going to last 20 years to light their property.
2: That's smart. I I like the different levels and giving people options. One of the things I was taught a long time ago is never assume what your customer can afford. So you may go work in a million-dollar house and they want the cheapest line, but you go work for somebody, just an average person, and they want the top of the line. You can never assume what your customer can afford. That was the biggest thing.
0: And I, I learned that kind of the hard way sometimes. You're dead on. I mean, when I started this business, I was in Texas and I was living in a house. It was about a $225,000 house. Okay? okay. The neighborhood over was a little bit nicer, but not much. I mean, it was probably a $300,000 house. I remember getting the lead going, I don't even want to go you know, like I know no one in my neighborhood can afford. These aren't
1: my people. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm like, I know them. <laughs> so I get there and Scott, I've been taught the same thing. Like, don't worry about it, but I still have that resistance in your mind. You're thinking like, okay, I'm, this is
1: never happening. Yeah.
0: I can do this, you know? <laughs> so I go through, I give him the options. I'm sure he's going to say no to all three and I'm going to go back to my office and He chooses an $11,000 lighting system. I mean, $11,000. Like, I think I even was like, are you sure? Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to think about it? (laughs) I said something to him like, are you sure? And I don't think it was that blatant, but he goes, well, what Mrs. Martin wants, Mrs. Martin gets. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) So, yep. The wife (laughs) liked them. Yeah.
0: I was like, go Mrs. Martin. (laughs) Thanks, Mrs.
1: Martin. (laughs) You'll enjoy them. Yeah. I love it. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that good lighting is expensive for like real legit good lighting that is going to last you 20 years. It's not cheap.
0: There was another time I was actually at, he was on the Dallas Cowboys and I get to the property this is when I was figuring stuff out. I didn't offer three options. I wasn't doing even half the stuff that I know now, but I get there and I'm assuming he's got money. I don't charge more because they're on the Cowboys or they're in a $2 million house, but you're just assuming it's going to go a little bit easier. Sure. What was crazy though, we get there and I say, okay, you guys want to do lighting in the front or the back? And we were setting up a demo and uh, they're like, oh, we want to do the back. And I'm like, okay, no problem. Let's go back there. We go in the back and there's just a pool with kind of grass all around it, which for lighting, that's really hard to do. What,
1: what are we lighting up exactly? The, the grass? The
0: yeah. Mike, can we do the front? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm kind of limited on my demo lights I only had like 15 lights and they're not really designed to light up grass. So I'm putting them around and figuring it out. I made it look as good as it could, but it really was really underwhelming. The quote only came to 10 lights, which... You know, normally you're like, yeah, I want to get like a 30, 50 lighter or whatever on that size of project. But 10 lights, give her the quote for three grand. And he was out there, but she was the decision maker. He didn't care. He would have just done it, you know.
1: Whatever Mrs. Martin wants.
0: Yeah. (laughs) But she was running the show and everything. And my sales presentation at the time was crappy. I didn't have all this stuff figured out, but she blew up on me. She was like, are you kidding me? You (laughs) think that we're going to pay $3,000 for just some lights? And I mean, she was livid. (laughs) Like we basically got thrown out of there. I mean, it was embarrassing. (laughs) And I was just like, I can't believe this. And again, it actually helped me look inward at like, okay, am I doing something wrong in my sales process and everything else? And not just that one experience, but multiple ones. And it just goes to show you that it doesn't really matter. Like you said, You can't decide how much someone wants to spend. They could spend a lot or a little. You have to find out, you have to ask questions, mm-hmm. you have to really determine what exactly they need and want and come up with that solution for them.
2: Yeah, the sales process is huge. It makes it things so much easier to sell because you have a process and you just keep following and you keep improving on it.
0: Yeah, I I did not have a sales process
2: back then.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, lesson learned.
2: <laughs> well, actually, that was the next top concern
0: people had, right? Was the sales process? Yeah. Oh, after pricing. Yeah, that was the second one. They just basically said, yeah, I need help selling. How do I sell more outdoor lighting? <laughs> Uh, Do you have any suggestions
2: for that for people getting started?
0: Yeah, I do. I kind of wrote down a few different things because I wanted to just kind of make sure I hit on them, I guess. But one thing that I wrote down, and these are just things that were coming to the top of my mind, is you need to pre-qualify. Because, you know, a lot of us think of the sales process as like when you're right in front of the client. But there's a lot of things that can be done before you even meet with them that assist on that. Mm -hmm. And looking back at my experience with the Cowboys player... You know, if I would have done a better job pre sales, I probably wouldn't have gotten thrown out of there, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you wouldn't have this awesome story. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe I wouldn't have gotten the sell, but yeah, maybe it was worth getting thrown out, like you said, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> but when I say pre qualify, whether it's you answering the phone or your office manager, receptionist, and by the way, no matter what business you're in, if you will hire someone to answer your phones, that's a no-brainer <laughs> investment. Right. Agreed. Someone there to pick up and talk to is huge. Yeah. Because nobody gets back to anybody. <laughs> and I think most of the solopreneurs, you know, the solo guys are like, well, I can't afford it. And it's like, well, you actually can't afford not to because mm-hmm. they're missing calls like crazy right now. Which means not only are they missing out on new potential sales, which would pay for the office manager, mm-hmm but they're mm-hmm. also losing out on customer service opportunities. So someone's like, hey, you know, I need you over here. I got a leak or I got this problem or I need this done. And you're slow to respond. You're probably not going to get a referral. You know, you're probably not going to get repeat business. And no one ever calculates that into the investment piece of an office manager. But that's probably for another whole podcast.
1: <laughs> it really is. <laughs> so I think we're actually going to have some... Answering service people mm-hmm. on our podcast, you know, because if you don't even want to hire a all-out office manager, you can hire um call services. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I think we're gonna do a podcast on that soon.
0: I've got clients that use those services, and and they're yep. they're happy with them. Like as long as someone's answering the phone and whatever they whatever they charge, just pay them. <laughs>
1: yeah, <exactly. laughs> worth it. Hashtag worth it.
0: <laughs> but when you do hire someone, you can give them a script, and you want to make sure that that person they're asking the same questions or gathering the same information. If not, you're going to run into a situation where you're like, oh, great. We didn't get her phone number and we need to reschedule <laughs> the appointment. And so um, as part of that information gathering mode, I teach a pre-qualification method, which actually throws out your minimum pricing and you throw out an average price job. And this is like huge. This is a game changer for any business because the problem is most of us are afraid that our customers are going to have sticker shock, but they're going to have sticker shock. Better to
1: get that out in the open early. <laughs>
0: yes, absolutely. If you can get it over with, now you've got an hour with them to overcome that sticker shock rather than like holding it all in and like they're loving you, they're loving everything. And then you're like, oh, by the way, it's super expensive.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> and they gone.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it goes in the same thing. Like when you go to look for uh, stereo or whatever TV, you kind of look up prices and get an idea of what you want. So it's the same thing doing it with a customer pre qualifying. I think it's so important.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So some people are nervous because they're like, well, what if I tell them an average job is 8,000, you know, our minimum is 3,000, and then we get out there and it's 20,000? I mean, that can happen, you know, but Mm -hmm -hmm. if if your average job is not 20,000, then don't tell them. 20,000, you know, just right. tell them what your real average is. And then when you get there, this can happen. You get there and you're like, wow, this is going to be a lot more. You can just tell them that again, right at the very beginning of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Hey, I know on the phone, we told you that our minimum was 3000 and the average job is 8,000, but this is not an average house. This is yeah. an estate. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. And then
0: you can say, you know, typically projects like this are around that twenty-five, thirty thousand dollar range. And so that when you go in later on with a price that's only twenty thousand, they're like,
1: Oh, okay, <laughs> that, good. At
0: least it's not thirty. No, that that's so smart. We would just ask people, you know, find out what their job
2: entailed. And then do the same thing. From what it sounds like, your your job's looking around the average about $30,000 is, you know, sound about the right price. And then you can kind of listen to their tone on the phone. Yes, no, that's too much. Or then you can start working your way from there. And just doing the pre-qualifying is, is so important. Because otherwise you waste so much time. I've been out there where I've gone out to the jobs and spent an hour or two doing the estimate talking to them and then do come back to the design and you wasted three, four hours for nothing basically. So you have to pre-qualify.
0: Absolutely. And again, I think we kind of lie to ourselves and we justify it. Like, and I looked it up on Google, it's a nice house. If I go spend the time and, and I sell it, then they'll be interested. So I don't want to ruin the sale by throwing out the price in advance. And again, I think that's just a game we play with ourselves to justify, to have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. And this happens more so on the companies that are just getting started or don't have a good marketing system in place. So they're desperate for leads, but -hmm. then they're just wasting time. Whereas the companies that have already figured this out they've streamlined it and their closing rates way higher and they're more efficient and they're stealing the jobs from these other companies because they've got a process in place.
1: Yeah. Cool. I think that process will help with your confidence. Cause I think the more competent you are with your sales process, the more confident you'll be to be like, okay, well, he- these are our prices. So I think that's definitely something people, once they work at it in a while, they can get there.
0: Great point because you can like hear all this stuff, but if you don't have the confidence, it's going to come across that way and someone could go mm-hmm. through the same steps With no confidence versus confidence and the confident person is going to close that deal. Totally. Every day. So now
2: once you pre-qualify, what do you uh, recommend from there?
0: I actually don't start just selling. You know, my big thing is like, man, you got to ask a ton of questions. And again, this goes back to find out what they want. And I learned this by selling. I would get there. And I didn't even know what I was doing at the time, but I would start asking questions like, have you ever done lighting before? And this and that. And they'd say, oh, well, we had a guy out here before. Oh, okay. And I would just ask, not really even as a tactic, but I'm like, oh, why didn't you go with him? Sure. Oh, well, you know, he was kind of pushy. He wanted to put lights here and here and we didn't really care about that. And we just wanted it to look good with this pathway our mother-in-law fell or something we want it for safety and right so you realize okay i'm just learning what they want like did the other guy not ask about this or did he ask and not listen i'm not sure but mm. that's how i learned to ask questions because i had so many people tell me they already had quotes and they didn't go with them and i'm like why wouldn't you go with them people don't really want to waste their time they're getting quotes until they find the right person the right company the right product and then they'll move forward so i would just ask why didn't you go with them I would find out that he had his way or his way or the highway type thing or whatever. So I learned early on to just ask questions and let them be a part of the design process. Even though I'm more of an expert, I know what looks good, everything else, there's a way to do it. And if you let them feel like they're in charge, People love that. Mm-hmm. They may tell you like, hey, you're the expert. I want to I know what should look good. That's no problem. I'll be a counselor. I'll be a guide. But I want you to be a part of this. I don't want to light up this side of your house if you don't care anything about it.
1: I like that being the guide because, of course, you're going to have, you know, we already discussed, we're all lighting snobs. You're going to be (laughs) like, have your particular way you want it. But if that's not what they want, it's not what they want. Because Scott is a huge pond snob. So he would fuss and fidget with placement and da, da, da. But he had to learn that it didn't freaking matter. As long as the customer liked it, how it was, then it was fine. You could just leave it alone.
2: (laughs) We'd get customers that want their pond like in the back corner of their property. Think about this. If you have it next to your patio, you know, or you can look out your back window and you can see it and hear the sound and I'd sit there and do like waves, like with my hands, like showing what the waterfall looked like. And that would just get their minds going. And it's just educating the customer and make sure that, yeah, you don't want to put this $10,000 thousand dollar pond out back where you can't see it and enjoy it. But if you start educating the customer too, I think that helps and gets their mind thinking in a different way than what they initially thought.
0: Yeah, and there is a balance there where you (laughs) still have to be the expert. If you listen to them too much and then let's say they're like, hey, we want it in the back and you don't even have any pushback and you know it should be closer. And then that you put it in the back and then they're like, man, Scott, we really wish the pond would have been closer so we could see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you're like, yeah, I was thinking that yeah. too. And they're like, well, you're the expert. Why don't you bring it up? <laughs> yes. you know? Yeah, So, balance. yeah, you, you definitely do need to bring it up. And I've even told people when it gets to that, so it doesn't feel like a me versus them. I just explain Like I would tell that exact situation if I was selling ponds, Mm -hmm. I say, listen, I just don't want this to get to a situation where six months down the road, you're calling me back going, Scott, it would have been really nice to have the pond out the back door. And then they think about it from a different perspective. And and I even tell them like, I'm just trying to be an advisor here. I'm just trying to be a guide. I'm really Mm -hmm. not trying to sell you on something or anything like that. I'm just trying to help you get what's best for you. And when they understand that there is a flip of a switch and they trust you more, but it is a balance for sure. So after
2: you kind of go out there and talk to them, what do you go do from there?
0: I mean, a lot of things are visual, but lighting is like so visual. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a landscaper right now and you've even if you've only done a couple jobs, go get some really nice high resolution photos and pictures of your work that is going to be huge because a lot of people will just get their phone out. And listen, some phones take amazing photos. So I don't want to discount that. But some people have like, I think they're using phones from the 90s or something because <laughs> their pictures suck. <laughs> yeah.
1: All pixely. Holmes, yeah. yeah.
0: And 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 nighttime photography is different than daytime photography. So keep that in mind. Um, at first, I had a camera and I would go do it and I I'm okay at editing, but okay means crappy. Mm -hmm. Then I hired, I mean, I hired a photographer to go out and get these photos. And man, when you show someone those photos of other projects and then someone else has already come in and showed them the crappy iPhone pics, I mean, you're gonna get the deal, you know? So I just show, not tell, you know? You need to show them not only high quality pictures, but a lot of lighting manufacturers have little small in-home demo kits. Mm -hmm. I used mostly garden light LED They're a direct to contractor uh, manufacturer and they have a little briefcase that you just carry in and it felt nerdy and weird, but you know, (laughs) lighting guys are nerdy and weird. So, (laughs) But be able to show them the fixtures and put them in their hands and even turn them on with the battery and stuff like that and get them involved. So that they knew this was kind of like a custom thing. They got to choose their finishes type thing, you know, as opposed to just like if they compare it and like, well, the other guy said he'd do 20 lights and he was half your price. Well, the other guy didn't bring in the in-home demo kit. He didn't show these pictures. You're creating this experience rather than just allowing them to compare two quotes that really aren't similar.
1: If you do that, then you're hitting like if it's a husband and wife. One of them might just want to see the pictures and be like, oh, I'm sold just by looking mm-hmm. at the pictures. But, then, you know, one of them might be like, well, I want to look, I want to hold the light. I want to see the light. I want to see what the wires are like. I want to see what it's made of. I mm-hmm. want to see the materials. You know what I mean? Some people will make their decisions, you know, off of different things. Like, I'd be happy just looking at the picture and be like, so I love it. And then, but Scott would be I'd like, make... but I would like to see how this works. Yeah, <laughs> so
2: quality and everything.
1: Yeah. So. So that's
0: smart. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, it's hard to sell to a husband and wife because you guys have- They're looking
1: at different things.
0: Two different things that you're deciding on, you know? Mm -hmm. And usually one's trying to spend more and one's trying to spend less. So Mm -hmm. the more that you can hit on all those points, the more successful you're going to be at closing that deal. Did you find
2: the demos, like setting them up, let it go for a you know, a night or so. that help sell the project a lot better or easier, I should say?
0: So this is one man's opinion, but it's supported by a lot of evidence. So some people like that. They'll set it up for the weekend or whatever and just leave it there. I'm a huge fan of setting it up while you're there with them and making it interactive. It allows you time to build a relationship with them, joke around a little bit, and more importantly, get the fixtures exactly where they need to be. You might set it up where you think it looks good. But again, sometimes people are like, oh, it's too bright. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not bright enough. Well, why is there a path light here? Yeah. And they're kind of grouchy that way. And if you're not there, I mean, the whole weekend goes by. You're expecting that they're going to call you Monday and just wire money to your account or something. right? Be like,
1: <laughs> I loved it. It was yeah. amazing. So, yeah.
0: And they're like, yeah, we didn't really like it. It was too bright on the house. And why is there a path light there? And you're like, oh, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be there to take it down. So right. if you're there and they say, well, why is that there? Well, then you can explain it and they go, oh, okay, makes sense. You know, and you mm-hmm. just put out a fire that wasn't even going to be a fire, you know, or if they're like, it's a little too bright on the house, you can pull the lights back a little bit. You can make those adjustments. That's the way that I always did it. And I got huge success and I would get a check that night. You know, I didn't have to wait. Uh-huh. There's just too many factors that can go wrong. If you let people wait, they'll get an email and then be like, well, I can't do it now. I've got to wait a month. And then they'll probably never do it, you know?
1: Kind of makes sense. Do you do a lot of demos at night then for people?
0: So let me go back just a little bit because we had talked about showing them the fixtures and the pictures and stuff like that. My next point on that is having a sales presentation that is uniform. You're going over the same things every time. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I figured this was important is because I remember sitting in my truck after not getting a sale. I never closed 100%. I'm human. And I was sitting in my truck going gosh, I really thought I was going to get that one. Like they were super nice. Like it went well and they didn't tell me no, but they didn't tell me yes, which is no. Which is no. <laughs> so if someone tells you maybe, that's like the worst thing ever. Or I got to think about it. But I was sitting there and I was like, oh crap, you know what? I forgot to go over the fact that we use a digital timer that's astronomical and it adjusts for daylight savings. Mm-hmm. Probably not the only reason I didn't get the sell, but I did forget it, you know? And, and then another time it's like, oh, I forgot to tell them that we have general liability and workman's comp. Right. Maybe not the only reason, but I did forget it. Mm-hmm. And I know these things are important because I remember having people, most of the time people wouldn't call you back and tell you no, but occasionally someone would answer the phone and say, Yeah, we're gonna go with so and so. And oh, how come you're gonna go with them over us? Well, you know, he has uh, workman's comp. We felt more comfortable with him. And I'm like, Are you kidding me?
1: Like, I got that. Come on.
0: <laughs> so the sales presentation ensures that. You know i give this to members of my coaching program it's basically a powerpoint so you could give it to a brand new salesperson Mm -hmm. and they could be a salesperson today without any experience because it just goes through it's like you're gonna say this you're gonna ask this you're gonna say this and it makes it super simple so you don't forget anything and what it did for me was it basically overcomes any objection that I ever met over a decade of doing business. Mm-hmm. So by the time you get to the end, you've kind of overcome all the objections and they really don't have a choice but to give you a check.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that people can benefit from your years of doing it wrong. That's the same thing we do in our academy. It's like, here, here's all the things we messed up I know. and here's how to fix it. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> I can teach people way more about the stuff that I screwed up on than I can't what, what I know what to do right. That's right. So at the end of that sales process, it's assume the sell. Okay. They're there to make a decision. If you just believe the world, then you're going to be like, okay, well, I'm sure you guys are getting bids. Why don't you guys think about it? Take your time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like terrible. Mm -hmm. You have to assume that they want to do business with you, that they want to do business with you today, that they like your product, they like your service. And so just close the deal. You know, they're ready Mm -hmm. to move forward and get that check because if you don't, they're probably not going to go with you. That's really what worked for me. And then if they do say, well, we're getting another bid or, you know, if you can't overcome the objection and then there's more to it than this, but if you're walking out of there and you're not getting a check, that's when I then just schedule a demo. So I'll say, (laughs) okay, you know, no worries. I kind of want to pressure you, but I kind (laughs) of (laughs) don't. So I'd like to come set up a demo, you know, would next Tuesday or Thursday work for you? And when you do it this way, you're not asking them if you can come to a demo. You're just assuming the cell. You're just telling them that you're going to come next week, which day works best for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we get to setting up the demo at night. Okay. okay. I think that's huge asking for the close
2: because there's like studies have been out there, you know, you're building this relationship, you're getting friendly with them, and the things start to peak. And if you don't ask for that sale while it's at that peak, then it starts to decline and your chance of closing that sale just starts going down and down. So you want to get them at that peak moment. That's part of just being out there and, and learning that skill, I guess. But you have to ask for the close and assume it. Like you said, that's huge.
0: Absolutely. I don't remember who said this, but they say people buy on emotion and defend with logic. Mm-hmm. So you've got them. Man, when they're looking at those pictures and they're seeing the pictures, they're so excited. They're visualizing themselves sitting on their back patio, just enjoying the pond that Scott built them that's way in the backyard. (laughs) But now they can see it, at least, you know. And so they're visualizing it and they're so excited. And that's really when you want to close them. If you're like, okay, just wait, they're going to have a week's worth of distractions in their mind. And lighting's now not that important. Uh It was but now it's not anymore.
2: When you're uh, asking questions for lighting, do you ask them like, you know, is security important or anything like that? Or, you know, just visuals? What do you ask when you're asking people at the beginning?
0: I think security is actually important to bring up because even in nice neighborhoods, sometimes those are the targeted areas. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like we had a really nice neighborhood where all the athletes lived and everything. And we did a lot of work in there as gated neighborhood. They had one night, Even we couldn't even get into the neighborhood sometimes, you know, (laughs) because the person we were going to work for wouldn't answer the phone, even though, again, we're in these neighborhoods every week. The guards know us, everything like it was pretty hard to get into. And one night, 11 homes got robbed in the same night. Oh, <laughs> Crazy.
1: That was a planned hit.
0: Yeah. I'm like, dude, they should make a movie about this. You know, that would be <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and the police came out and literally one of the things they said was this was a also a dark sky area. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but... Mm-hmm basically a dark sky. There's areas all over the, the world where they don't like light pollution. So like, you can't have any lights to just shoot straight into the sky. They have to be shrouded. You have to do a lot of down lights and stuff like that. Okay. And so naturally, a lot of these houses that got robbed were really, really dark. And none of our clients had an issue, right? <laughs>
1: they were lit up. Surprise.
0: <laughs> but the police said, one of the things that you guys need to do is add lighting lighting is a huge deterrent to crime. And so I always bring up security. I'm like, what is the purpose of me being here today? If they don't know, then that's when I'll ask like, well, you know, is it more for safety? Do you guys have young kids? Are there older people around? Because the more that you can dig down and find out a problem and expose the problem, the more likely that they're going to see it as a need, not a want.
2: That's smart. So that's pretty much covers your your sales process after the demo. Then you kind of ask for the close after that.
0: Yeah. Then after that, like I said, we do the demo and Katie, you were asking, like, we do that at night. It kind of sucks. But it's one of those things where because we don't just go do the demo without meeting them, like mm-hmm. they're already pre-qualified. They already know the price.
1: So it's worth it. It's not, it doesn't feel like you're just wasting your time working evenings all the time.
0: Exactly. And you know, sometimes it it not only just helps you close the sale, but sometimes it helps you sell more lights. Like Mm -hmm. you might give them a design and a quote, that's 30 lights. And they're like, gosh, that just seems like a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And you're like, trust me, it's not. In fact, I didn't even light this and this and this. And so when you go set up and I don't even set up the whole thing, I'll just set up 10 or 15 lights. I'll set up like one side of the house. They start selling themselves they're like holy cow that is...
1: now i want more lights
0: <laughs> yeah they're like what about here and what about here And what about here sure then they get to see it and they see that you're not just a salesperson you really are a mm-hmm. designer you really are a consultant and advisor you, you were just trying to help them you know and so mm-hmm. that's the power of the demo and to this point if you're not charging enough money which is why i like to charge a lot per light then it's not going to be worth it you'll you'll drown out pretty quick you're gonna be like man I'm only charging 175 a light and then I got to go do a demo and then I got to go do a walkthrough and it's not going right. to be worth it. And, you know, I preach if you're going to own your own business, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you better make a lot of money.
1: Heck yeah, make it worth all that <laughs> hassle.
0: <laughs> Otherwise, just go get a job. I mean, there's some yeah. great yeah. paying jobs out there with benefits and you're done by five. Yep. Agreed. Charge yeah. a ton of money, mm-hmm. make it worth it. And then you have enough money to over deliver for your clients and they're actually happier. You know, most people Mm -hmm. have it backwards and they're just trying to do it the cheap way. And Mm -hmm. then it gets them into trouble and clients aren't happy and then they're not happy. And, but if you can charge a lot and people are like, well, I don't feel right about that. It's like, listen, what don't you feel right about? You don't feel right about over-delivering for your client, you know?
1: Yeah. I think people just need that kind of mindset switch in their brain. Like got to flip that switch. Yeah. So I think you've given us a ton of awesome information. <laughs> and I know you, you mentioned you have an academy for this. So if people wanted to learn more from you and gain from your experience, how can they work with you?
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So it's called Landscape Lighting Secrets. And so if you just go to LandscapeLightingSecrets.com, I've got just kind of a simple website. It's basically where you can go and download a free case study to kind of just watch the process of what I do and how I do it. It's just a quick video that will actually, even if you don't do anything after that, it will at least give you like three tips on stuff you can do on your own to help yourself go from business operator to business owner and really start to sell more landscape lighting. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you can actually schedule a call with me. So I do free strategy sessions with basically everybody. And you know, that strategy session for one, I can understand where they're coming from, mm-hmm. see if I can help them. Some people on that strategy session, honestly, it's kind of like, we're probably not going to be best to work together because of where they're at, where I'm at, whatever. And then other people I can tell, oh, wow, this would be a fantastic partnership. I could really help this person out. They're struggling with the things that I'm really good at. Mm-hmm. So yeah, LandscapeLightingSecrets.com is where you can go to find out more information. And I'm constantly kind of building that out and adding more stuff to there. But that's the place to go. Now,
2: we're excited to have you inside the uh, the group because you give out all kinds of great information, even on your
0: personal uh, Facebook page and
2: everything else. Do you have a, a YouTube channel or anything else, too?
0: I'm working on it right now. So, okay. you mm-hmm. know, I sold my business last year and... I was just so in the trenches with that business and focused on that being the best. And I always kind of wanted to do this, but Mm -hmm. I'm also a fan of like, just stay in your lane. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when I sold that business, I've been working on this. And now that I've got my content portal, I call it where people go online and go through the training and stuff like that. I've got that set up. Um, I do weekly Q and A calls with everyone in my program. We do a private Facebook group as well. But now that I've got all that set up, I've got that going. I'm really going to focus on YouTube because Mm -hmm. I'm gonna try I do a lot of free content around design, you know, how to design a lighting system, installation methods, stuff like that. And we go over that stuff in my program as well. So even if you're an experienced landscape lighting professional, when you hire someone, they don't know anything about landscape lighting. So you can send them through some of this training. Right. And then even if you're a landscaper, they're like, yeah, I've heard of landscape lighting, but I like I don't really know what it is or how it works. And, you know, you can come through the training. but as you guys know, YouTube's awesome. So I'm going to do a bunch of videos on there, but right now it's just me. So trying to build this out where I can get some help and have some people help me build that out. No, we appreciate you taking the time to be on here today.
1: Yeah. Hopefully people check out your Mm landscapinglightingsecrets.com because you know what you're talking about. And I like when people have actually worked in it for years and like you legitimately know it. You're not just like, oh yeah, I can help you sell lights. No, (laughs) I like that you just jumped in when you didn't even really know what landscaping lighting was. I
0: know. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate it. and that's been the really fun thing is I've had people, you know, when I talk to them, they're like, Man, I don't know. I've had business coaches approach me before and I just I'm a little weary and sure. and it's like they like it because I'm the real deal. I mm-hmm. you know, I'm not teaching people how to like sell mortgages or something, you know. Yeah. It's just teaching them what I screwed up on and what I did good on. So it's really nice. I can be authentic. I don't have to make anything up. There's no hypotheticals. Right. It's really straight to the point of like, don't do that. This will save you $20,000 or do this and this will make you $20,000, you know? Yep. I like it.
1: That's like amazing.
2: It. So you have a few moments for some fun questions?
1: Yeah, we like we, to wrap things up with just some fun podcasting questions. They're that are just... Yeah,
2: they're the nice. uh, cards called decks. I guess it's backwards there, but...
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I, this is where we'll see how authentic it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what would be your best day ever? My best day ever? Gosh, I, you know, I, maybe you should have told me these in advance. <laughs> <laughs>
1: nope, on the
0: spot. <laughs> so I'm a big outdoorsy person. I really like skiing. Okay, and you know I'm here in, in Utah, and we have the mountains and stuff. So my two oldest, they've been skiing with me for years now. So I, that's probably my best day ever. It sounds kind of lame because it's just right here in my backyard, but
1: hey, I like it.
0: I love getting out with them because we've tried to get them to do sports and other things, and and it's always like a, a hassle, and we feel like we're forcing them to get in the car or to go do something. But yes, I'm familiar. We go skiing. They. I mean, they want to go all day. It's nonstop, no complaining, and it is a blast. So that's probably my best day ever.
1: I like it. That sounds like a good day.
2: Uh, Utah's on a place for us to check out. We've never been to Utah. We don't
1: ski, but I'm sure there's plenty of other things to do.
2: (laughs) Come in the summer then. (laughs) Uh, What's your favorite gadget? And that's a good one.
0: I would say if I could, if I could change gadget to like a mountain bike, <laughs> oh, there, there, you there, there you go, piece of a
1: sport, piece of equipment, yeah, sporting yeah. equipment.
0: I know, and I'm like, even on my mountain bike, I don't have like the little smart computer. You don't have
1: the bike computer. I don't
0: even have that stuff. I'm not a gadget guy. I just realized I'm okay. not a gadget guy. Oh, nice. well, nice. see,
1: there now you've learned something about yourself. Yeah.
2: Last one. This is kind of fitting, I guess. Have you ever been electrocuted? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's Honestly, awesome. that's, what it, that's what it says. <laughs> oh, that's
0: hilarious. So I have felt electricity. I wouldn't say I've been electrocuted because there's been a couple times where I was not expecting to get a jolt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got a jolt, but I don't think that's quite electrocuted, is it? Uh, I wouldn't
1: think so. I don't know where I, the line is because, yeah, I've been zapped pretty uh, good a few times, but I wouldn't consider myself like electrocuted. Yeah. yeah.
0: There was like no voltage shooting from like my finger to my toe or something. <laughs> at all. It just kind of threw me back from the outlet, but yeah, (laughs) Yeah. the the landscape lighting is mostly low voltage. So I guess that kind of helps. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that about landscape lighting and being low voltage is it's super safe. You can train people really easily. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to get electrocuted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's
1: good to know, because I didn't know if that was a common question or not. Like um, if people were uncomfortable with the electrical aspect of it, because I I know a a lot of people that are actually pretty handy, but they don't like to do even like home repair that involve electricity because people are afraid of it.
0: Absolutely. I think people do have that concern because they're not sure, but... Mm-hmm. Honestly, I mean, you run low voltage wire, which if you turn on a lighting system and just cut the wire and, and touch the wires live, you really can't even feel it. Oh, OK. Sometimes if you're standing in water or whatever, I have felt low voltage, but it's just barely like have you ever felt those like little pens or those little gadgets. Oh, yeah. Is it a little electric key or whatever. A little zap, yeah. yeah, a little zappy. It's even less than that. Like you just barely feel like a little pulse. So it's super safe. And you just wire those into a transformer and mm-hmm. you plug the transformer into an outlet. So even if okay. you're like, well, I, I'm not an electrician. I'm, I'm nervous. You just have to plug it in. And the worst thing you might have to do is add an outlet somewhere. But you could just sub that out to an electrician to come add an outlet for you. And, and that's not a big deal either.
2: All right, Ryan. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to be on here today. Noah, we'll definitely post the uh, link to Landscape Lighting Secrets down in the comments and show notes. So.
0: Okay, cool. No, you guys are awesome. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, no, we look forward to seeing more in the Landscape Business Owners Facebook group too. So
0: Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great one. Hey, okay, thanks guys. We'll see you. Yeah. All right. All right. Bye.
2: Hey everyone. Just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message.